Welcome to Almost Productive, a podcast mostly about marketing. I'm Sean. I'm Julie. I'm Addie. And I'm Ben. And we're all marketing professionals at New Boston Creative Group in Manhattan, Kansas. While a marketing strategy can be comprised of a slew of placements, billboards, commercials, and print, oh my, you'd be hard-pressed to run a campaign without discussing social media. From Facebook and LinkedIn to X and Threads, each platform poses its own set of opportunities and challenges. Not to mention the landscape is ever-changing, with new platforms popping up left and right. Which platform is right for your business? How quickly should you buy into a new tool? And does your business need an account everywhere? We dig into those questions and more on today's episode of Almost Productive. So to start off today's episode, we're in the thick of my favorite season, which is football season. So I thought we could spend a little bit of time in lieu of a would you rather question discussing all things football and how that kind of relates to marketing. So first of all, who is a football fan other than just me? Me, as in Sean. Sean. Okay, amazing. And then Julie is definitely shaking the head no. None for Julie. Ben, what about you? Yeah, not as much. I feel like since we started, uh, our producer Nick started the NFL Pick'em League in our office, I'm definitely paying a lot more attention than I ever have. So I'm involved in that way, but I'm not as emotionally invested (laughs) as you are, Addie. Amazing. That's probably healthy. Yeah, I think Addie (laughs) Addie and I have a problem, maybe, (laughs) you could say. I think that would be accurate. Actually, Sean, I would love for you to tell people what your ritual is with K-State football. Yeah, it, it K-State and, and Kansas City, the Chiefs, uh, they, they both have similar rituals. Um, as I've gotten older, it has gotten worse where my nerves and anxiety surrounding the games is off the charts. And so I try to protect myself as much as I can. And that usually means either not watching the game live at all or watching just the beginning up until a certain point at which I can bail. For example, this uh, last weekend, I watched the beginning of the Chiefs game until they scored. And so they were ahead and then I bailed. So in my <laughs> head, they, they had won the game already and I didn't have to worry about it. Um, sometimes, sometimes the opposite happens where I'll, I'll start watching and they will do poorly, and I will quit the game in anger and uh, disown both teams and uh, label off all the players that should be cut from all those teams because they all <laughs> suck, and I should change allegiances to another team because they are all terrible, which is ridiculous considering both teams are fairly successful yeah. and have won championships, but that doesn't seem to affect my uh, enjoyment of either team or my expectations for how they should do on any given weekend. Of course not. The lows are low, the highs are high, and the highs are never as high as the lows are low. So I definitely feel that. Um, I have a very similar, I wouldn't say ritual, but definitely temperament when the games are playing. My husband just steers clear. He's like, I'm gonna let you watch this. I'm gonna go in another room because I'm a generally very sunny, optimistic, bubbly person, but I think this is how I get my rage out. Like, this is just where all of my anger comes out and has a chance to show itself is through football, which is also a little upsetting because K-State, for instance, my preferred college team, they're teenagers, right? Like, they're kids. They're kids playing this game. And I know that logically, 
but I still, so much of my emotional just being is attached to their performance. So that's kind of a bummer. So Julie and Ben, even if you don't watch football, are you conscious at all of all of the commercials around football season and have any notes or thoughts on those? I've really enjoyed, I feel like it's been in the last couple of years, it's been Patrick Mahomes shows up in like the Jake from State Farm commercials. Because I remember growing up when the Chiefs were not very good. So seeing like on national campaign with somebody i'm like oh i kind of know him but I, I don't know him in real life but i'm like hey that's the guy from our team um hanging out with jake from state farm is very funny to me uh so those are probably my favorite but more for personal reasons than for the actual commercials themselves just to piggyback on that i don't know if it's a new one or if they've done this before but i just saw the mahomes and Maado, and i thought that was really funny and well yeah. done and i enjoyed that yeah, I, I think they've done a good job uh, recently with the ones that involve the Chiefs players, the all the Mahomes and Kelsey, and especially the the Coach Reed ones. He's shown up in a handful and yeah. has been surprisingly very funny. Like you can tell, he is very quick and very witty, and sort of he must be very self aware um, because he's able to play against type in a lot of those or play towards his stereotype. Because there's one where he's being very silly and drawing mustaches on players which is just ridiculous <laughs> and then there's the one where he's eating a lot of food because that's what he's known for and then there's even they redid the uh the field painting where the the fieldsman uh writes chefs instead of chiefs and they've remade that now with coach reed and he says the the great googly moogly line which is uh, a classic. <laughs> awesome oh yeah. that's such a great one classic so good and so good for the brand even though obviously those players are being paid for those services it's good for the brand at large too so i love all of those amazing well speaking of commercials it's time to hear from our sponsor today are you tired of scrambling to think of a fun fact about yourself for office icebreakers um i have two cats sick of hearing how interesting others are only to share that your favorite color is purple Worry not. From the metaphorical mind of AI, the Fun Fact Generator 3000 is here. Our patent pending technology spits out a fun fact sure to impress even the stuffiest of coworkers. I love baking with my cat. He often needs the dough for my cinnamon rolls, like the ones in the office now. What the heck? Sure, the fact might not be true, but it'll get the conversation flowing. My family is personally responsible for the saying, like taking candy from a baby. Going back hundreds of years, we pride ourselves on stealing from children. Wait, what? Yeah, it might be a lie, but you'll be the envy of everyone in the office. Visit ithinkimboring.com to download the software today. That's I-T-H-I-N-K-I-M-B-O-R-I-N-G.com. So... Now it's time to get into our main topic of social media. So I know that Julie, Ben, and I are all on the social media digital content team at New Boston. And then Sean, as a principal and owner, is always heavily involved in all of the campaigns that we make. And then along with social media, the words, of course, we have the graphics. So all four of us are pretty heavily involved in this arena. So I'm excited to dig in and see what everybody thinks. I thought that we would start the conversation off by talking about threads, which no longer a super hot, hot topic, but I do think that this is going to be a launch that will be studied probably in the future 
for um, different marketing classes and cases in terms of platform launches. So for those of you who don't know, Threads in competition to Twitter launched July 5th and just exploded. Tons of new active users. They recorded 2.3 million active users in July, which is incredible. But then that really plummeted in August and has continued to go down since. Um, So I thought we could talk a little bit about threads in general and then why we think it dropped so heavily. So first, did anyone sign up for threads? Do you still have an account? Yes. Yes, me too. Okay, and I did as well. Why do we think, are there any theories as to why retention dropped so heavily? Why do we think that really just took a cliff dive? Yeah, from my perspective as someone who is actively looking to jump off of Twitter, given the slightest chance, I was really excited about threads. And I I think it's really close. And the reason it fell off for me, from what I could tell, was just that people were looking to, to jump to something, went to threads, and then realized it wasn't ready. Um, you didn't have a main feed uh, algorithm that you could just see who you were following um, by default. So you were inundated with other people's posts that maybe you didn't want to see, and you didn't know how to just filter that out. They didn't have search at that point. I don't think they had hashtags. They didn't have trending. There was just a lot of that basic stuff that people were using on a day-to-day basis when they used Twitter, and that was just missing. And so you had people joining and then realizing, oh, I can't quite get the same experience, even though that's what they wanted. And so have been jumping back and forth until Threads catches up. And so it just felt a little premature from my end. Yeah. No, I did some research this morning in preparation for the episode. And weirdly enough, like uh, it, even their notifications were broken up until like a month or two ago as of the recording of this episode. Like they really were on the back foot with all of this. I think they had 15 engineers total dealing with this and they had over 100 million initial signups. And I was like, that team is never going to be able to meet the needs of that kind of user base. And so, yeah, they're definitely trying to get back. I think they're technically up again in numbers they were going on like a big downhill but like it's not even half as many active users that are on x formerly twitter uh right now so we'll have to see if if they can keep improving yeah because i know they're rolling out updates and a lot of the things i mentioned have been fixed but now we're looking at what four months after launch and like that's a big window to not have the things people are needing and you'll just have to capture them back and so it'll just take longer when it was there. Like they had their moment to really capture everybody, and then everyone was like, "Oh, this isn't ready yet," and we're just waiting around. I think. Totally agree, and that's a good lesson that a half-baked campaign or any other effort probably not worth doing, even if you are on a timeline and you really want to get to one certain date. If not, everything is perfect. That can really come back and bite you in the end. Instead of just waiting until things are ready. Another difference that I noticed just being on threads with my personal use, and people remarked this as well in the beginning of the launch, was it seemed like a much more positive environment. People there were pretty cheerful in general. The trolls hadn't battened down the doors yet. Like it was it was a very different environment. And I almost wonder if that is worse for the platform in terms of user retention? Like, are we humans? Do we want the negativity? Is it like a train crash? Like, we can't help but look? 
Or do we think that people would actually be interested in just a nice, happy kind of environment? I think so. I think it's just having more platforms is better than less platforms for that reason, so that people can make that choice. I know that's it helps direct a lot of where I spend my attention. Um, for a while there, I was spending less time on Facebook for that very reason. It was too much of a bad thing and ruining my mornings every time I checked it and, you know, seeing people's posts that I didn't want to see and, and having to sort of cut that out and mute people. And a similar thing I think happens on, on Twitter. And so getting to something else that's more positive that you feel like isn't going to ruin your day, um, I think is beneficial for, for everybody. I think with some of the bigger brands and the platforms themselves, the Discord can be beneficial because more people commenting, even if it is a negative comment, is still interaction of some kind. So I wonder about the incentives for people building these platforms and all of the regulations, if anything will change when a comment or a click can be lucrative. I just don't know. I think some of it has to do with just the size and like the scope or like the structure of the platform. Because there are some platforms, I think when you can break the main group up into smaller groups, it ends up being nicer because it's much more easily moderated. Like uh, Reddit, we've talked about on our team, can be like the craziest conspiracy theory laden rooms in the world or the nicest, most helpful people trying to help each other out. And so you can get what you want from it and go. Um, and I think because Threads was new and didn't actually have af active users, the 100 million number was signups. It wasn't people that were actually using the site. Uh, I think it's nicer right now. I think if it got up to the numbers of X, it would probably just as be just as mean and nasty in certain places uh, as it is on there. So digging in a little bit more in terms of marketing, not necessarily personal use, when we're talking with clients about the different platform options, so Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Reddit, Pinterest even, what are some of the things that we should be considering when they come to us and ask, where should I be? What platform should my business be on? Well, there are always two things that we use to guide our recommendations. And one is, who are you trying to reach? Where is your audience? If your audience is young people, then you should not be on Facebook. Um, the other is, what is your content creation capacity? If your audience is young people and you do not have the capacity to produce video, then TikTok isn't where you should be if you can't do that. So it's the marriage of those two things. Okay, so next like, let's talk a little bit about small businesses specifically and with more limited resources, some of the things that we might recommend. So for instance, organic presence, organic posting, what are some tips that maybe if they don't have enough to spend on ads that we can give folks for their organic social media? Regular posting for sure. If you're not posting, no one knows that you're there or alive or have you ever gone to a business Facebook page and their most recent post is like from 2020 and you're thinking, are you still in business? Like, what are you doing here? So I think just a regular presence for sure. Agree. And piggybacking off of that, interacting with anyone who interacts with you. So if someone comments on something or shares something, be sure to grab that and, hey, thanks for sharing or anything simple like that can go a really long way. Yeah, I just want to reinforce what Julie said as someone from even thinking of like an outside perspective when I'm 
looking for a business, a lot of times I will first check the website, but then usually second is quickly check, oh, do they have a Facebook, an Instagram, Twitter, what, what's the, what are the social medias that they're on, and see what the latest posts are on a couple of those to see like where are they active and posting information and then use that as almost like the primary source, especially for things like restaurants when I'm trying to check, yeah, is this place open? What are their hours? A lot of times, you know, it could be difficult to keep your website up to date, but a lot of people find keeping the Facebook page more up to date is easier for them. So I'll make sure to double check that. Or maybe they're posting on Instagram because it's easier for them to post the photos. And so being consistent with those updates lets me know, okay, yes, this is still a business. They're still uh, in, you know, thriving or they're open or they have a sale or whatever the case may be. And so I think being consistent on a platform is the key. You don't have to be on all of them, but pick one and be consistent with it, I think is the most important. If that's the only place that your clients are seeing you, reviews go even farther. So anytime you have a happy customer, even if it's shooting out an email or verbally as someone leaves a restaurant, like, hey, leave us a review, that makes all the difference. So encouraging folks to do that for you as well. At New Boston, we use a lot of free tools online to help our clients as well as for our own internal marketing. One of them is Canva. So if anyone listening wants to check out Canva, if you haven't already, it's a great graphic design intro. So you can put in all of your colors and your templates, um, your logos, and then create templates from there. Are there any other tools that y'all would suggest people check out to help with their marketing? Well, another one we like to use is called Airtable, and that really helps for editorial calendars. What is an editorial calendar, you ask? Great question. It's a planning tool. So you have your ducks in a row as a business that wants to publish to social media regularly. You can create different views and set up a calendar. You can even set up a review process so that someone's proofing your work before you send it out. So that's a great tool that we like to use a lot. And just to mention on Canva, uh, Ben sent me today like a a promo for our podcast and it was in Canva and I, that was something I didn't know you could do. Um, so that, I thought that was really, so it had like audio and motion. And so you did all of that in Canva? Yeah, all of it was in Canva. It's surprising how much free content as well as like editing tools they have for video and for for graphic images. Like, yeah, you can really get a video done in like an hour that looks like it's way beyond maybe your wildest dreams in your current capabilities. So this isn't an ad for Canva. I just use it a lot and I like it. No, I thought that was really interesting. But it interesting. could be. So if the folks at Canva are right. listening, just reach out. We can uh, talk. We can chat. As an aside, do they have tiers? Where, so if you get, uh, if you pay, do you get other tools? Yes. It, I, I think it's just the two tiers. It's like the paid and then the free. Uh, and the paid gets you a lot more content and a lot more skills. Like, for example, today I was doing a graphic where our little images of, for the podcast rise up into the frame, and I wanted to make it so that they went back down when we were talking. But direction is not something you can get on the free tier, so you'd have to be creative and use a different tool in terms mm. of the transitions. So if I had paid for it, I could have made us pop into the frame from any direction, uh, and that's what the paid Canva will get you. Gotcha. Cool. So way better uh, stock photos, more users, 
Yeah, gotcha. Okay. Their library is pretty extensive on the free stuff, but I think it like quadruples uh, when you when you go into the pay the paid <laughs> version. Yeah, it's kind of amazing how quickly that has taken off. Because uh, like what just like, a couple of years ago, Canva wasn't a thing, and now mm-hmm. it's everywhere. It's like the main tool. I feel like their marketing has been particularly effective too. I know we started using it four years ago, maybe, and I had never heard of it before at this point. But now I do feel like most people know what it is, and that happened pretty quickly. So good for them, good for their marketing team. Yeah, because I'm seeing ads, you know, like national ads on my TV for them even now. Like they've really blossomed. Even just thinking about how they've expanded with the addition of new platforms has been pretty crazy. Because I was using them back in grad school like a couple years ago now. And they didn't have like unique to this platform. They'll do the dimensions for you for a reel on Instagram. They'll have a real uh, Instagram reel template that you can use. And already it's going to tell you the things you need. It will have it set up for you. And so whether it's Facebook or TikTok or anything, there's probably a template for it at this point as well as uh, user-created templates as well. So if somebody's already made one that works exactly for the type of post you want to make, you can just use that as your starting point and build it out from there. Yeah, super user-friendly. Obviously, all of us cannot recommend it highly enough. So if you haven't checked it out, definitely do so. And my last question on this topic kind of brings us back to threads. And that is when a new platform launches, how quickly do you think a business should have an account? How early do you buy into this new platform? I think it depends on the business and what is their capacity for risk and exposure? How large is their brand? If you've got a smaller regional business, it doesn't make sense for you to hop on the latest thing, in part because your target audience probably won't you know, be fully on board. But if you're like a McDonald's, then... Yeah, why not? You're huge. You want to be everywhere and you've got the capacity to do that. So I think it really depends on the business. Yeah, thinking about our clients specifically, you might want to take some time to learn what the platform is about, uh, what are its conventions, like what is its structure, and be like, are is our audience even going to be on that platform? Because if it's not, like why waste the time, the money, the 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 hours? Uh, the manpower to post there when you could be doing content elsewhere where your audience actually is. Right. Because you can imagine the audience that jumps to a new platform quickly is very specific. You know, an early adopter type uh, audience that might fit a very specific type of product that you could jump in and like, yeah, really sort of dominate if you're early in that space. But for a lot of people, that's not going to fit. So I do think it depends on what your business is and what you're selling. Absolutely. And as we talked about earlier, doing one or two platforms well for a small business in particular is super important. So if you're doing this new thing at the sacrifice of the other that you've been doing well, probably not worth it then. Addie, I wanted to circle back to something you said earlier, and that was if a company doesn't have the budget to advertise on social. And I've just got to give a plug that that is one of the beauties of advertising on social is you don't need a ton of budget a little goes a long way, especially if you have a more confined geographic area that you're trying to reach. Um, so you might think, ugh, it's, you know, it's going to be really expensive. It's not. And a little bit can go a long way, especially if you've got a very particular goal, you've got a well-defined audience, 
you can use all of these targeting tools to make even something like $5 a day work for you. So don't dismiss running a campaign if that's on your radar. Do either of you, any of you have a marketing company maybe that you have in mind to go to when you need this help? Um, I mean, I think we could brainstorm a few that... <laughs> I don't even know what marketing is at this yeah, point. I've been ben too afraid I, to ask. Ben and I are doing some work behind the scenes to get him caught up to speed. Um, and okay. So we'll have a good list, I think, to to give to you. To, and we could send out, we could put that in the description of the, the podcast and maybe... Uh, I don't know. What's, but, what's a description? Yeah, okay. So we'll back it up. Don't, don't worry about it. We'll get it back to you. Okay, beautiful. I'll be waiting with bated breath. Well, thank you all for a great conversation. I really enjoy all of your insights. And to close, as always, we have a joke here from our producer, Molly. And I thought, I didn't even need more than one today. This one just, it's perfect. It's the perfect 10. I think we'll judge, be the judge of that. Okay. All right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. But bias. Perfect tent. Why don't marketers like trampolines? Why? They're afraid of high bounce rates. Oh, man. Yeah, that's... That's awful. I love it because it's, that one is strictly for us. I feel like there's a very small pool of people yeah, in the it's audience. it's so inside baseball I, that it's I really love bad. that joke. <laughs> it is. But that's why I love it so much. Is this where like Julie comes in and, and is like, well, with GA4, bounce rate is no longer a trackable feature and it's out. Uh, it's retro. It's a retro joke, making it even more funny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing better than an old marketing <laughs> joke. <laughs> exactly. Never goes out of style. Thank you for listening to this episode of Almost Productive. Before we go, we'd like to give a shout out to our producers, Nick and Molly, who work behind the scenes to make this podcast possible. If you'd like to learn more about what we do at New Boston Creative Group, you can reach us at newbostoncreative.com. You can also follow us on social media at New Boston Creative on Instagram and New Boston Creative Group on Facebook and LinkedIn. If you liked this episode, please like, follow, subscribe, leave a review, and share the podcast with your friends. And if you didn't like the show, feel free to recommend us to your enemies. Tune in next time for more office shenanigans, thoughts on trending topics, and marketing-adjacent insights. Until next time, we hope you have a productive day. Please, please come back. Please. 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 Bye. Please. Okay, We're bye. waving. Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> bye, everyone.